Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today we are talking with Billy Ewing, who is a brain tumor survivor. So she had brain surgery seven years ago. My name is Billy Ewing. A lot of people know me as Billy Nicole, which is just first and middle name. I'm a lot of things, but at the moment, I am a advocate for brain tumor awareness because I am also a survivor. And because of that, I am the founder and creator of Billy's Believers from Tumor to Triumph, which is, I was saying that it was an organization. My mother corrected me immediately. She said, that is your ministry because what you are doing is serving people and and you're doing God's work in your own way. So that is my ministry to the people. I like that. So what does healing mean to you? That is a great question. And I kind of had a feeling that was going to be one of the questions. So I tried to think about it and I actually can't overlook the physicality (laughs) of healing. If we were in front of some cameras right now, if I showed you a picture of me seven years ago coming out of the hospital and you looking at me today, you wouldn't believe that I was possibly the same person. There are some natural things that happen in healing if we take care of ourselves and things just kind of magically come back together, which is a good thing when you've had things like surgeries or accidents or just unexpected things. But healing in the social emotional sense, mental sense, not so easy, not so natural for some, I'll say, and can be a bit elusive. Just in definition, it's to me, it's kind of the full circle of an experience. Something happened and you had to go through it. And the hope is that you come out on the other side of it better. And by better, that includes being whole, being healed, and go forward from it in hopefully a positive way. Wow. So before we get too much further in, Can we step back? So I know the story, but can you share for our listeners? (laughs) But the backstory is after experiencing and noticing some vision issues, some unexplainable vision issues in my right eye, I started with my eye doctor. I was 36, totally healthy, like I've had no prior health issues. Only time I've been in hospitals to give birth to my kids. And it was time for an annual eye exam. I shared that information with my regular optometrist, bombed that eye exam for the first time ever. And so we began the process. And he said, well, I want to send you to another doctor, a little more advanced. So now I'm not an ophthalmologist, never been to an ophthalmologist. And that ophthalmologist just so happened to have been my father's ophthalmologist. And my father had diabetes. So when I got to him, he was very confident, unfortunately thinking, 
ah, she might be pre-diabetic and may just now be kicking in, but felt like we can figure this out and he couldn't figure it out. So they said a third time's a charm. I was then referred to a neuro-ophthalmologist. And at this point, nine months have gone by. And he basically, he told me later that he could see on site and felt that that's what it was because this is what he specializes in. At that point, my eye was kind of bulging out, a little crooked, those small nuances that I had seen, but my family didn't notice. Just one of them things I kept telling myself, I don't know what's wrong, but something's not right. (laughs) That's all I kept saying. And so he ordered an MRI. And at that point, it revealed that a brain tumor had been slowly growing and entangling my optic nerve. And that's what was causing the vision issues. Two weeks later, I met my superhero, my neurosurgeon, Dr. Zuccarello, in Cincinnati. Saw the MRI for the first time. So that was kind of a little punch in the gut there. It was just like, well, because it looked like a piece of cauliflower was in my head. And I'm literally like, how does something grow in your brain that you don't feel? It was a lot. (laughs) And from that day... 12 days later, after surviving a 13-hour craniotomy, I went from patient to survivor. And that was in 2014. So September 9th, I just celebrated my seven-year tumorversary, craniversary, merciversary. We kind of give it all kind of different titles because it's a really special day. And that little boy, that, my, that son of mine that was watching that journey along with me, One of the painstaking details of that journey was that the date the surgeon happened to come back with was his fifth birthday. And I was sick to my stomach like this. No, but I had to do it. That was also something weighing on me. If you know me, I'm big about people's birthdays like that is your day. And I'm getting ready to be your biggest cheerleader and go all out. It is all about you because on uh, March the 8th, it is all about me. So I'm big on that, and I just felt so bad. Like, so now this dark, gloomy day, no, it can't be the black cloud of his birthday. But I'm like, I also don't want to sit over in the corner and be like, wee, each year that I'm here. And so it was weighing on me, and I got this from my mother. My mother always talked to us. So I'm like, let me talk to him. I said, Bubby, because I saw it with Kyle. I said, Bubby, I said, Mommy just feels really bad that I had to have my surgery on your fifth birthday. It's all about you. You know, I said, that's your day. I said, but mom's going to be really happy every year that that day comes around and I'm still here. It's a special day to me now, too, even more than just your birthday. And I said, I just want you to know that I'm always going to make sure that it's about you, but mommy's going to be wanting to celebrate or something, too. He says, well, it's my birthday and your rebirthday. So that year, we did a photo shoot, (laughs) and he was turning six, and I turned one in 2015. And so we kind of do it like that. When I came home from the hospital, I was petrified that I was going to scare the holy crap out of him because I felt I looked like um, Herman Munster, Frankenstein, like that type of things. Swollen head, swollen eyes, staples in my head. For a moment, I stopped looking in the mirror because it was just too much. And I told myself, like, Billy, don't freak yourself out. In order to not freak myself out, I stopped looking. So mind you, my son's five, kindergarten. Every day he's coming home from school, he would tell me he loved me when everything was going okay. And then one day he said, Mommy, look. 
your eye is open. And I said, is it? He said, yeah. And I probably hadn't looked at my face in maybe a month and a half, like literally stopped looking. So I poked my head in the bathroom and I could start to see me again. And in that moment, oh my God, hooey. I'll never forget that day. In that moment, I said right there, I said, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me for treating this as if I just had a sprained thumb. Like I've totally had brain surgery. And but I did ask you to restore me. And I believe that you are. But by not wanting to see it, I was getting ready to miss it. And if it wasn't for my baby, who I thought would not like I had told myself, like, if you see him turn or if he makes one of those eh, faces, like, don't take it personal. He's five. Like, this is stuff out of the scary monster books. Like, don't put, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. I just would say that. And he was my whole mirror. He's watching the whole thing. And it's like, and he's probably thinking, like, my mommy doesn't look like my mommy. So that's why he was probably locked in, too. But he said that, and I just apologized. I said, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me for just being selfish. It was just a bit much to see, but if he had not have said nothing, I would have missed it. So that physical change brought about a complete mental, emotional change. And it's like, okay, this is what it is, girl. You're a survivor. We don't want to skip any parts of that journey. So it, it, in that moment, I began to embrace it. And so I started to take pictures so that I could look back on it and see sometimes we cannot see our own beauty or our own healing. And it is through other people's eyes that we can see ourselves, which I think is a really powerful message about not only the impact that we can have on others who are healing, but on how allowing others' perceptions of our beauty, of our healing, of our journey can really impact our process. Yes, I agree with that. I think that a lot of times when we are in the healing journey, we cannot see sometimes those beautiful pieces of ourselves because it is challenging in the beginning. But being able to be open to receive the perspective that other people have of us in our journey and things like that and how they see us as being courageous or beautiful or acceptable. Is something that I think is a challenge for us to be open. But when we are open, it feels good to receive those things. We talked about the other side of that, relationships that may not be so supportive when we experience a tragedy like brain surgery or other tragedies in our life. And it can reveal to us who is there and who is not there. My healing journey has affected my relationships, good and bad. And the good of it is I have met some amazing people that I didn't know before this, whether they are medical staff, other survivors, loved ones, all kinds of people who have embraced me like you. (laughs) Didn't know you before this. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So many people that I truly believe God has sent my way to where they have poured into me. Sometimes it's just that or me into them or sometimes it's reciprocated. 
I am blessed to have an amazing family. But being the first one to kind of go through something to this magnitude, when we talked about that physical healing, I feel like sometimes my physical healing has hindered the mental and the relationships because what's going on on the inside, you can't tell that from the outside. If I was in a wheelchair, if my tumor was actually cancerous, which a lot of people unfortunately have to deal with. Mine was not. It was benign. But if I actually had brain cancer and had to do chemo and, and like literally had to be cared for, you know how we have that saying, check on your strong friends? I feel like my immediate family would have been more gentle and understanding with me if they had to do that. And I have blurted out kind of in hurt and anger, do not take advantage of my blessing. This is a blessing that I don't have a diaper on and I'm not in a wheelchair. And I'm also not trying to make excuses, but I'm trying to fill you in on a reality of something that you can't see. I literally did forget where I was supposed to be. I am tired out of the wazoo. I'm not lazy. I've never been lazy. Stuff like that just cognitive decline, just not being and feeling how I used to because I was like, hey, Energizer Bunny don't need to write down nothing. I got your schedule, yours, all three kids, the husband and mine. Got it. It was a shock to me too. And and so I'm already kind of trying not to beat myself up. And so then to get some insensitivity about it, I mean, family members thinking like, you saw me, you didn't speak. Are you serious? When have I ever not spoke? (laughs) I didn't see you. You saw me, but you were on my bad side. This eye, we caught it before I went completely blind, but it hasn't improved. Why would I even want to lie about something like that? So it's been hard. It's been hard. God knows. He knows. Sometimes the people that we hope and want and think will be our biggest support, and they may even want to be, but there's parts of them possibly that they're incapable of or unwilling either one but it doesn't help the situation either way he's sent me so many people to kind of fill in them gaps when my heart gets broken by stuff like that there is somebody there that sees me and understands me fully and I just take it and sometimes it can be difficult to have these expectations that people are going to be there for us, and then they're not. The people that we think they are supposed to love us, and they aren't. And that can be difficult. It can be, because we do have sometimes these expectations of people that are closest to us. And what I've learned in my own journey, and just I think in life, that sometimes we ourselves need to adjust our expectations of people so that we don't continuously get disappointed. It creates an opportunity for other people, the most unsuspecting people, to be there in our corner, to be there for us. And it can be a complete stranger, which I've experienced. It can also be long lost friends, if you will, or family members, or just somebody else who can resonate with where we are in that time and space. While it is challenging, I think at some point, if we can open our minds up to receive support from people who don't look like who we expect to be there can really create the opportunity for us to get and receive what we need in that moment. Absolutely. I think letting go of 
the expectations and even going through the grief process of understanding that this person isn't going to show up in a certain way can open doors for other people to show up. Absolutely. And the other thing that it does is Honestly, oftentimes when we are opening up and sharing with people who are not so close, it's sometimes also better because they are neutral to who we are and what they know about us. They don't really have anything to go off of before. So they're not holding us to expectations also. And so that really creates a space for true bonding and true support and healing and things like that because they are just there with us in that moment not any time before that. So oftentimes it's even better. We talked about how sometimes people don't see the internal struggle. And I think you and I talk about this a lot. Just because someone seems put together or the body is healed or things look okay on the outside, we don't know what's going on on the inside. And in Billy's case, there was a very external thing that people could see. And once that healed, there was this expectation that things are going back. Specifically with brain tumors, a lot of the symptoms that I have now are the symptoms that happen first. So me and you are friends and all of a sudden I notice this total different mood change in you. You're tired or you're irritable or you're forgetful. But some of those invisible things that a person that would have to be really close to you and in tune with how you are, a lot of those things happened to me afterward. And it happened like a year later. Even I was thinking like, whew, I am good. Like, whoa, that was crazy. I went back to work. We can do this. And then the brain fog. Then I started having temporal lobe seizures, which are mild seizures. Never even heard of them. Had those for a year. Then those things started happening. And I think possibly that's where some family maybe felt like, I don't know, I'm faking because everything was looking really back to thumbs up. So it's been hard. I don't have the blueprint. It's My healing's been rough. For the record, I am not healed. I'm still very much broken. So I'm in the midst and in the process of trying and open to things that people tell me and recommend from yoga to meditation to praying to changing my diet. Anything I can do to help me because I've learned in these seven years I can't control the other people. Some have come around and kind of saw, you know what, could have been more sensitive about that. Others, they just haven't and you can't really swap your family out. So you just got to deal with it. For all the listeners, if you're still in that sunken place, (laughs) you are not alone. Don't feel bad. I give it my best every day. I try again every day. Being open to try yoga or meditation or whatever it is that, whether it's doctors or coach or a therapist or a really trusted friend, healing looks like changing patterns. That's something that's consistent, too. We talk about that a lot. You have to be open when you're on the journey. The healing journey for me has taught me that as much as I think I know about myself, there is still so much more to learn. And so having that middle ground where, yes, I am aware of who I am. I am also still transitioning every day is something that we have to accept. I think that makes the journey a lot easier. But being open to these different methods and modalities and tools 
to heal ourselves is something that is essential to the journey and helpful. It's beneficial. A lot of times we don't know what we need until we receive it. We don't know that we needed to release something until we release it and see a difference, which is why, again, being open is necessary. So I asked Billy, what is giving her hope? When you're in the middle of the tough times, all of us need some light at the end of the tunnel. And so I asked her what that was for her. And she said that she reminds herself that she's been through tough times before. Billy talked about how she's in the midst of healing, that this is very much a current process for her, and that that is both physically and emotionally. So she's tired or irritable or forgetful as her mind is healing. But then also the emotional healing is still very much present. I've been broken before and I've come, I believe, all the way out of it. Being a teen mom at 15, that was like life turned upside down. I'm here. Everything that I said I was going to do, I've done. Going to college, I'm doing everything that already was in the plans. I did every last one of them and then some. Another big blow was losing my father. I always knew that was going to come early in my life because he had me later in his life. He had me at 54. When that happened, I was devastated. But then I remembered that I asked God for him not to suffer, and that prayer was answered. The issue for me personally with this one is God was just a little bit quicker. The hope is because I want to see it turned around. It's because I want to see it. I would I would really want to see it before I leave this earth. That's the hope. I know he's done it before. I'm just not for sure what's taking so long this time. I have happy moments. I know I'm teared up, but I'm happy right now. I really am. I can't say that I have joy or peace. I just want to get back to work or do what I'm going to do, whatever that is. That just put me in a mindset of there is a season of getting through. And so you're just in go mode and really survival mode. Like, I just need to get through. That is every day I'm waking up and I need to get through. I need to. And there are things that you do to get through. Like maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's journaling. It's so many things to get through. Right. But you're doing the things you're executing in motion. And then there's a season for like the reflection where you are learning and acknowledging that I've made it through so I can breathe a little bit. And now I want to spend this time understanding what just occurred so that I can learn the lessons. What happened during that time? How did I show up during that time? What skills or strengths did I learn about myself that I didn't maybe know before? So like that is a part of the healing journey also is that there are seasons and I think processing it externally now, that is absolutely what happens on the healing journey is that there are times where we are just going through and we're getting through. And then you're like, okay, whew, I made it to the other side of that challenge or roadblock or pitfall, whatever you want to call it. And now let's reflect and understand what just occurred so that I won't either go through that again or when it does arise again, I know now, what intentionally needs to be in place for me to get through again? I like the concept of it being seasons because the truth is we come back around, right? So Billy's saying, my hope is based on the fact that I have survived before. And so every time we are in survival mode and we can look back and say, I survived then and I processed after that and I'm thriving because of what I survived. Life is not... <laughs> a straight line. 
it's a circle around and around or an up and down roller coaster, however you want to look at it. And so the season of survival is an important part of the journey. Like we got to get through the thing in order to reflect on the thing. And knowing we're going to get there is important. I mean, like, honestly, that's what life is about. And I also think that those times are for us to really humble ourselves. Because the way I understand life now at the young, young tender age of 32, where there's so much life to live beyond this point. So I'm not like there. But what I've understood about my own journey is that this is a part of the life. We are going to have these moments of storms where we have to get through, which develops us for our purpose. I believe that we're all here for a reason and everything happens for a reason. And so if we can get to a place of being intentional about learning the lessons in every season, the good and the bad, that's when we start to become a little bit more strategic about how we navigate life and understand it and accept that, hey, this is going to happen again. The question is, what do you do when it happens? Are you going to keep experiencing it the same way over and over? Or are you going to be able to experience it a little bit differently? Diamonds are forged in pressure and heat. So are we. That is a perfect depiction of, yes, of that. (laughs) So another thing that Billy and I talked about was grieving a version of self. As much as y'all see me out, a lot of people is like, Billy be everywhere. She do. And I was everywhere before this. Those are my happy places. Got to get out the house and just kind of be around that energy that feeds me. I've always been confident and not because I think that I'm better than anyone or anything. I attribute all of my good qualities to my parents, wonderful parents that poured into me. And my mother specifically, she just, you can be anything that you want to be. Anybody that knows my mama knows that she's like a plug, a socket. She's going to have you feeling like you can go to the moon and back. And so I've always like, man, I can do whatever I put my mind to. And so when I'm trying to do that and to have physical things that really get in the way that it blows my mind every day. I like the old me. And some people might say, oh, I don't want to go back to. She was all right. (laughs) She had grown a lot in them 36 years before this happened. And I know that there was still more growth for me to have. I was in a good spot because I've kind of been through some stuff a little early. So I was just can't wait to get feeling like myself again or better. It sounds a little bit like you're grieving the version of you. Yeah. If the tables were turned and I was your friend and I was saying to you, I want to feel like myself. I want to be happy and content and peaceful. What would you say to me? If I was you, what would you say to me? You actually have more control of it than you think. And in order for that to happen, you're likely going to have to put yourself first, which is something that I've never done. But I've also never done it regretfully. I love being a mom. I love being a wife. I love being a daughter. I love being a sister. I love my family. I love my friends. I've always known that God really tipped the bucket of gives over in me too much Too much is given, much is required. So I've done the things that I've done for people, 
just with community, whatever, because it's like everybody can't do it. Everybody can't do it, but you can. So that's what you do. I love helping people, but I got to put me in the front to get back to that and not be so concerned about what other people think and them misunderstanding that, misinterpreting, like, this is what I have to do. I've never been selfish, so don't call me selfish. You've gotten comfortable with me being a certain way and coming to the rescue and fixing all the messes and that kind of stuff. I can't do it. Not right now. So I would tell them, put yourself first. Take your time. Find the people. It may not be who you thought it was or who you want it to be, but somebody is there. And you really don't need like 42 of them. It's like two or three of them are magical. <laughs> they can make the difference in everything. I have some of the most amazing friends that I've had since childhood. I'd say that the people that know me pre-brain tumor, they mean a lot because they know me. When I don't realize I'm not being myself, it hurts to hear it, but it's because we got to get you back to you. Whatever your happy is, you got to stay in that as much as possible. People know that I sing. I love music. I will just belt some stuff out in the house to keep from, like, losing my mind. <laughs> I have to do that. I'm going to a concert by myself. I'm going. Not, well, don't nobody want to go with me? I'm down the highway before I even ask somebody. Also, it's very dependent upon that person's circumstances. A lot of the people that I've met may not have kids. So you got to really look at your circumstances and make those necessary changes. And it hurts. I feel like I'm working a third shift job. It's not been easy and it's not come as fast as I wished or hoped. Do whatever you can do on your own to improve your health medically because that'll take some of that mental stress and strain off exercising, eating better, all of those things. You got to get that circle of support. I will never dictate somebody's religion, but you got to have something beyond yourself that you believe in, a source that you can draw from. That's what I would tell them. And they can call me. That's the other thing that gives me hope because I understand that this cross was given to me not by accident. Somebody had to go through it because somebody else so a whole bunch of other people need to see I can get through it too. One of my friends that I met post-brain tumor, another brain tumor survivor, she keeps having reoccurrences. And she texts me, there's all kind of 800 national numbers to all these national organizations, all this kind of stuff. And she texts me this morning. And I asked her, what can I do for you? She said, you already did it by answering them questions. Let me be able to talk to somebody that's been through it. How does that feel? It's crazy. I sat in a car. Oh. For like 10 minutes. And I know I'm blessed. She's had three. Her tumors come back three times. It gets heavy. It gets heavy, but I just be so glad that I was there. When they call, I'm not in the grocery store. I'm like, somehow, he makes me available. I was getting ready to go into the crock and get my workout on. But in that moment that she called, I was getting myself situated in the car to where I could take the call. She said, I'm going to have to do 
radiation, and I wanted to talk to you about that. That was unexpected, and that held my morning up a little bit. And it's stuff like that that I try to explain to my family. Like, I'm a Pisces. The being on time is just not even ingrained in me. It's not. But when those things happen, to hear things like, oh, you probably just somewhere somewhere talking to somebody. I was. And that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. So I'm not going to, hey, let me get back to you. I'm not that girl when I know who that person is and what that situation could possibly be. Now, if I happen to talk to her, pick up the phone, and she just wanted to jab, that's one thing. But I am going to stop and pick it up just to make sure for those that might already follow and know my story. You know, I have one of my hashtags is I am your one because when I was in that situation, I only had one actual real-life person that I could do that same thing, pick up the phone, talk to, meet face-to-face, and it did wonders for me. By me sharing my story, if I become somebody else's one, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. I've become a whole bunch of people's one. So, Billy, when you pour into other people the way that you did today on that phone call, how do you pour back into yourself? How do you feel what you are giving? That's the part I'm kind of working on. I'm trying to kind of figure that out. I mean, like, I'm going to do some me things today. I'm going to go listen to some live music and not worry about cooking dinner. I'm going to pour into me by doing something today that I love to do. I'm going to stop and get me a matcha. I'm going to turn my music up loud as I don't know what in my car. I might go buy me something today. That's what I do. I try to do whatever I can. It might be read, listen to some gospel music. It might be turn on some Wu-Tang and just let out whatever is bothering me. I find ways. I'm working on it, but I find ways to replenish myself. And you know what? Sometimes I don't even have to find it. Sometimes it finds me, and I'm grateful for those moments because I went into the crock today and met two girls and it's like, yeah, we done exchanged numbers. They are joining my team. We walking. They share my story. And it's just like, wow. So then I got out the car and went in there. There was some battery recharge. So I didn't even have to really look for it. I can resonate with that on some levels of knowing the season that you were in at a particular time in life. And it may be better than the season that you're in now. But also being able to appreciate that you had that experience. I think the challenge is being able to see those previous moments and saying, that was a good time in my life. And being able to look at what was going on then that maybe you can draw from to bring it back to the current place now. A really common version of that is having a baby and looking at your body afterwards and knowing your body will never be the same as what it was before you had a baby. Having to grieve the change because it's it's a permanent change. You're not going backwards, right? And I think in Billy's case, it's similar. Like She's not going backwards. And so there is this embracing of who I am today, the body that I have today, but also grieving and letting go of what may feel like or look like a quote-unquote better version of ourselves, acknowledging and knowing that this version that I have today is wonderful and beautiful. And that's a process. That's a process of acceptance and self-love. It is. 
people understanding that it's okay to grieve is also kind of necessary as a part of the journey, acknowledging that it happened as a memory. I think the challenge is seeing it as a good memory and not a memory that you want to be present. One of the things that Billy talks about, and I think she's very proud of, is that she loves helping people. She founded Billy's Believers to help other people that also have survived brain surgery. Even in the midst of saying, I'm still in this, I'm still very much in the process of healing, that she answers the phone to give encouragement and support to another brain tumor survivor, that she has made that an important part of her own healing journey to support other people. I think that that is really powerful. Like, as long as we're supporting ourselves, right? As long as we're pouring into ourselves, supporting other people can actually be healing because when we get to give to other people, it gives to us. It's like this reciprocal thing. And I think it's beautiful. You took the words right out of my mouth because I had an experience, an awakening, if you will, or some insight from a therapy session last year where that was made clear to me. Because my problem... <laughs> that I am challenged with every day is not overextending myself. I'm not a people pleaser, but I'm a helper. And so my therapist asked me, why is it important for you to help people? What does that do for you? And when I reflected on that and journaled about it, even in the midst of when I'm going through, me helping others, being able to prioritize others in that pain or hurt or challenge, it does bring value. And to your point, it fills my cup. It's not just like a selfish thing. It's helping me and helping someone else. And there's a lot of strength in that, being able to be in the midst of going through and still offer a helping hand to somebody else. That's strength because a lot of times you would think that you're going through and you don't have anything else to give. And so one of the insights from that was I personally struggle with letting people help me so therefore, what I realized was I was not giving people the opportunity to feel that sense of value, to feel needed, to feel like they were not just a taker, but they were a giver. And so when I received that insight, I was like, oh, my gosh, now I'm a lot more intentional about giving people the opportunity to help. So I see the value in that. I think you touched it right on the head. I think it is both. So we have to receive in order to give. So giving of ourselves to other people fills us, can fill us up, but we also have to be receiving. And in receiving, we are giving others the same gift that we get when we give. And I think that's really important. It's this balance, right? If we're always giving and we're not receiving, we're going to feel depleted. And if we're always receiving and never giving, then that's not healthy either. It is this balance and knowing that we deserve to receive is really part of the healing journey, right? It feels like humility to say I need help and I receive help. And the truth is knowing that in doing that, we then have it to give to someone else. The balance is key. It is. And it's the balance of reciprocity and why it is important that when we are going through even though it's difficult to share sometimes because you want to save face or whatever the case may be, it is important to allow others in to help and to give ourselves permission to help others so that we're not just wallowing in our misery and pain or hardship. So I love that Billy 
finds the strength that while she's going through and in the midst of storms, she still finds time and space and energy to help others. It's powerful. It really is. So I asked her what advice she had. And she said, be open to change, hold on to you, and trust in your higher power, which I think is a pretty good summary. Definitely be open to things that you may have never considered, thought about. I do thank my daughter for introducing yoga and different things, things that she found along the way in her own personal healing journey. She has always shared them with me. Well, mom, why don't you try this and maybe do a meditation? Or she comes over and stretches me and bends me and walks on my back. And do, <laughs> I mean, so definitely be open to some things that you may have never done before. Just give it a try. At least be open to give it a try so that you can see because some things are not still me that some things that people have told me about. But there's other things that I'm really trying to embrace and incorporate into my everyday lifestyle. If you're in a position where you feel like you're losing you, like I often feel, that's one thing I love about Facebook. When those memories come up 9, 10, 11 years ago or looking at photos, photo albums or different things like that to remind me, you're still that same girl to your core. It's not gone. It's not lost. It's just elusive right now. It's in the background. It's not in the forefront. (laughs) Tap that and bring it to the front. Again, can't stress enough finding that higher source. I know God kept me for a reason, and I'm grateful. That's the whole thing. I have an attitude of extreme gratitude. I really do, because I know it did not have to be. When it's looking really bad, just try to think about those things and remind yourself, of the things that you're grateful for. Even though it's a bad day, you're here. Somebody didn't wake up today and their family is dealing with that, but you're here. So make the best of it. Do what you can. Do not put more pressure on you than you need to. You're the strong friend, especially to my strong friends out there. Let folks check on you. And if they're not checking on you, tell them, hey, I need you to check on me. I had to do that told my family, I said, I'm not looking for you guys to have a parade for me. It's not that, but to like make no mention of it. Oh, mom, it's another year you're here. I'm so glad to hug kiss. Done. But like it would be days and years where that would come by. And if I just happened to not say anything, it just would have been Trent's birthday and we would have moved on. And I, and I told myself, remember, you told yourself, don't let that be. But it hurt. Like, gosh. But I celebrate. I celebrate me. You got to be comfortable with celebrating you if nobody else does. I celebrate me. I love me. I appreciate me. And I'm just trying to get better at drawing on that and not needing it or seeking it as much from other people, even though it helps and it feels good. But sometimes you got to encourage yourself and, and be there and show up for you. What we go through is not just for us. We're not it's not punishment. You know, a lot of times it feels like punishment, but it's not punishment because we are all here for a purpose and we all have assignments while we're here. The things that we go through is so that we can share that wisdom with other people so that we can model a healed life for other people. So we can model what it looks like to take on our traumas 
head first for other people so that we are all examples to each other. Essentially, we are of service to each other. And that's why this podcast has been so pivotal, I think, for the both of us in our own healing journeys, being able to help others in their healing journeys and giving them this safe space to talk about it, to process it, to feel their feelings without judgment so that when they leave us, now they are in a place of gratitude for the journey and can continue the conversations with other people. It's a positive, it can be a positive feedback loop. It's a cycle. It's like domino effect. And so when we all say yes, we're all helping each other. Getting to the yes is the hard part. So say yes. Say yes to the healing process. Say yes to grace. Say yes to supporting those going through the healing process in your life. And continue the conversations. Thank you for being with us today. This is Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. The audacity of you going through it all the audacity of you trusting self all along i see new life i see i know this is the end But I'd like to ask, this is not what we normally do, and this is the end of the podcast, but I'd like to ask if I can give you some advice and we record it. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. I only know this Billy. I know. I didn't know the Billy before. And I'm going to tell you something about this Billy. She's incredible. I cannot imagine what it would feel like to have to let go of a version of you that you love and that you desperately want back. But the you that is here today is incredible and strong and resilient. And she deserves your love. She deserves your gratitude. Those pictures of the you on Facebook from a long time ago Yes, the seeds of her are still within you and all of the young versions of me are within me. But the you that is here right now today deserves to be cherished because she is incredible. That's the number one. Okay. The second piece is, I wonder what it would look like if you poured into you and the way you pour into everyone else. You give so much to everyone all the time, and that is beautiful, but you deserve that same level of love. And I could sit here and tell you all the reasons why, but you have to believe that you are worthy of it. 
and then give it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You have been giving you to everyone else since you were 15 years old. You deserve to receive. And I think God wants you to receive. Okay. I believe that too. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your journey with us. I really wish that I could hold up a mirror that reflects to you what I see because I see this brilliant, like, angel is the word I've got. You are worthy of love not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Because of who you are. You're incredible. I'm going to tell you a story real quick because I'm a storyteller. Period. (laughs) When I was a young single mom, I was probably 21, and I had a one-year-old, and I was going to school, and I was bartending, and I went to church, and there was an organization at the church called the St. Vincent de Paul, and they provided services. And one of the members of the St. Vincent de Paul said, we have furniture. Would you like some furniture? And I said to them, no, that's for people that are in need. I- I'm I'm fine. And they looked at me like I was a crazy person because my chairs were literally held together by duct tape. <laughs> and, but in my mind, like, at least I got some duct tape chairs. Exactly. Because I've always been the strong one, too. And I've always been able to take care of whatever life put my way until I couldn't. Until I couldn't. And it's really, really hard to be the strong one and allow other people to pour into us because we've always been able to handle all of it. But when I was in that place, when God put me in that place or the universe put me in that place, it was a lesson for me to realize that I deserve to not be the strong one and to be the one that people give to. That is an experience that is like, whew, it's hard because we have to feel deserving. It's crazy. I don't, yeah, like, no, that's for that person and they need and Lord, you bless me with this and you bless me with that. I I never, never want to be ungrateful, you know, but I think we get maybe that misconstrued right and you know for me in that story that was pride god's angels were saying here is a gift and i was saying no that's for other people but that was really my pride the truth is my daughter and i would have been better off if i had said yes that would be great thank you being the strong one means that i don't need anything but it also doesn't allow the gifts that others have, have for me. For me. Period. I, I feel that. You deserve to be loved on, and you are giving others a gift by allowing them to love on you. I received that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.